Welcome to Care Under Fire podcast. Today I'm here with two of my midwife idols in the world, Carla and Amy. Both of you have had outstanding careers in midwifery, including multiple trips to volunteer in Vanuatu, a place where you've both um, spent a lot of time and energy over the last nine years, and uh, we'll delve into that today. But Carla, we might just start off with you. Where did you grow up? How did you go at school? What really led you along that pathway of nursing initially and then into MIDI? Cool, okay. Um, so I... Um... I left school pretty early. I didn't complete very much of high school, ran into typical troubled teenage years and actually left school when I was 14 um, in pursuit of earning enough money to pay for my horse. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my sole goal. Um, And for many years, I just worked and rode horses and was just living a great life. Um, I had a literal light bulb moment in my early 20s And I don't know where it came from because I didn't know any nurses. I didn't know any midwives. I didn't know any doctors or anyone in the medical profession at all. But I just literally woke up one day and thought, I I want to be a midwife. So I I embarked on that and I actually looked into that. It was nearly 20 years ago. So at the time, um, you had to complete a degree in nursing and then a postgraduate diploma in midwifery. Yeah. And... Um, luckily for me at that time it was almost enrollments for the next year of nursing I applied it was a late enrollment and I had to do a um, a test to make sure I could read and write and do basic <laughs> basic arithmetic yeah. <laughs> um, and that was daunting because I had left school so early um, but obviously I could read and write um, so I, I passed that test so I was pretty happy with that so I got entry into university as a 20 24-year-old, I yeah. think I was. So three years of nursing degrees. I did. Up, I did a five-year yeah, five degree because oh, wow. I was also um, was I pregnant or about, I don't know. I had a baby in the middle of it. Okay, yeah. So it was a five-year nursing degree part-time in which I worked and had a baby and <clears throat> raised um, raised her. And then, and, and I never wanted to be a nurse and I thought I would really struggle through my nursing degree, but I actually loved it. I, I loved every minute of it. I, and but I still knew I wanted to be a midwife. So I, as soon as I got my degree, I went straight into MIDI and did that over two years because again of the children and trying to work part time um, and finally graduated in two thousand and six or seven. Yeah, as, awesome. as a midwife um, and have never ever looked back. I feel like I was born to be a midwife and you specialized early and stuck yeah, with yeah. it. Yeah, it's all mm. yeah and. Um, yeah, I feel like it's absolutely been my calling. Yeah, cool. And how about you, Amy? Your mum was a midwife. Did you walk around thinking, this is what I need to be like, mum? Or <laughs> No, I didn't actually. Yeah, my mum was a midwife and registered nurse and all four of her sisters were also registered nurses and midwives. Um, I always knew I wanted to do something in terms of helping people. It was either going to be helping people or with children. So I either thought it'll be in the health nursing industry or possibly teaching. Um, but I also, at the end of the day, had no idea actually what I wanted to do when I finished school. Yeah. Um, I didn't excel at school overly. Um, and then I finished year 12. I took a year off um, 
and was gently encouraged by my parents to try and find something to do. So I enrolled in TAFE and uh, did enrolled nursing. So I had to move to Sydney for that. Grew up in the around the Blue Mountains area. Yeah. Um, and so moved to Sydney, did that, and then applied for um, Bachelor of Nursing. Finished that degree and then uh, wanted to come home, essentially. Right. So you were still working as yeah. an EN, studying. Yes. Yeah, working as Sydney. an EN in a neurosurgery ward. Yeah. Um, studying, doing nursing. Then I finished nursing and I really just wanted to come back home. Yeah. But then um, my mum encouraged me to continue and possibly do midwifery as a, a like another another thing under your belt, yeah. so to speak, to have the both both degrees. I wasn't overly thrilled at that and I sort of just applied to, um, you know, okay, I'm here. I may as well continue. I'm going to the same uni. So then I finished that. And <clears throat> much like Carla, um, yeah, I can't imagine doing anything else. I loved it. From yeah. Probably halfway through the course is when I really thought, oh, my gosh, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You yeah. found your calling. Yeah. 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 How did you find your um, <clears throat> what graduate diploma in midwifery? It was postgraduate degree back then. And still is for many, um, but now of course it's offered as an undergrad program as well. Mm. Um, did you like that working, studying, bit of caseload um, mix at the same time? Yeah, well, for me personally, I found it really good, and I think that's because I had the experience from doing the as as an enrolled nurse. I was working as an enrolled nurse doing my registered nursing. So a lot of practical. So I found the the practical working and study with midwifery very beneficial. Yeah, yeah, and same. I found um, doing the nursing. It was all your practical was unpaid, but I had a job mm. and I had a family, and um, it wasn't that hard. That it wasn't too hard to get through that unpaid. But as a midwife, I was I was paid, so I was able to work um, almost full time and study and and be paid. So it was just a hundred percent focus on learning and yeah. and growth and development, which um, isn't how they do the degree anymore. Mm. So yeah, I feel very privileged, and I'm very glad I did it that way. And my nursing knowledge background, that whole five years of doing. Th- nursing theory and understanding mm. the human body yeah yeah, um, yeah children adults men um, the complexities of health i think mm. that has really helped me to be a midwife all around all around yeah. um, and i think as well even just the basics of the health knowing the health system, health system how yeah. a hospital mm-hmm. runs yeah. um it helped you know, your communication time, skills yeah time management yeah yeah. yeah, just the process of the health system. What shocked you when you maybe first went into your birth suite or, you know, saw this amazing evolution? I mean, Carla, you were already a mum, but Amy, was that like professionally your first, yeah. you know, witness of the miracle of birth? <laughs> well, I think it was that, the miracle. It was just, I guess, going in there, yeah, not as a, as a parent myself and not seeing any of that during my nursing, it was, it was shocking. It was, uh, clearly I was very naive to, 
<laughs> pregnancy and definitely to birth. Yeah, so it was, I know I was. Yeah, it yeah. was really shocking to hear the noises and yeah. the blood and the rawness of the whole process, but then also um, just to, to witness the strength of of women doing their doing, thing. Doing their thing. Yeah. yeah. And I surprisingly didn't – I don't remember any shock factor really. I just – I just always felt like, I don't know, I just was always felt like I was in the right place and yeah. the learning was just learning and I just loved it, loved it, loved it, literally in awe, couldn't get enough, just wanted to to, to, to do it, to be there, everything from ne- from learning about neonatal care to, to learning about mums and babies, mums have had the babies to all the birth birthing things. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't. I don't remember being shocked by any of it, um, other than my very first birth, seeing mm. the, the big head come out and thinking, "Well, it's purple." Yeah. And How there was, was a, that fit. <laughs> that was really strange. I was looking at the midwife, thinking, "Is it? Are you not doing anything? This must be normal, but this doesn't look normal." And I was also a little surprised at how long it took from the head to the body. Yeah. But apart from that, that's all I really recall of my student years. Yeah. Um, that was that was shocking. Otherwise, yeah, I was literally made to be a midwife. You were at home there. I was. Yeah, <laughs> I must yeah. agree. Like I found it the initial like quite shocking the process of birth mm. and what a baby looked like when they first came out, and you know you see it on the TV or the movies. So then to see it in real life is far different. Mm. It's a lot more messy in real life. Yes. Fluids. Yes. And blood yes. And and noises and, and <laughs> movement and yeah. But then. Um, quite addictive mm. it was like okay like when's the next one yeah and i'm coming back tomorrow to see all this yeah. again yeah. so much so much adrenaline when you never get in, old, in the best suite yeah <clears throat> which is so addictive. that's addictive and yeah emotion, emotion yeah like... it's so rewarding so mm, and yeah. so privileged to be part of that special moment in those parents lives yeah and it, that so doesn't cool. get old i've been no. doing it for nearly 20 years and it doesn't get old how um just no how monumental that moment yeah. is for yes. them. For yeah. We've seen, I don't know, I don't even know if it's hundreds or thousands, but a lot of births and yet mm. for the women we care for, they're only having one, two, three, four births mm. in their lifetime and, yep. and we're in there for that. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's humbling and amazing. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So fast forward a few years, you girls are working together in New South Wales and you just rock up to work one day and what? You just get chatting and say, hey, let's go do this midwifery thing in another country. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. So uh, Amy and I are 10 years apart in age and we weren't over, like, again, I had kids and horses and worked part-time. Amy had no children, no horses and worked Mm full-time. So we didn't cross paths that much. Um, We knew each other, but we were not friends. Um, But, yeah, I guess one day we were talking about, must have been talking about global midwifery, midwifery and I was I've always had it ever since I was a student, just knew I wanted to contribute to the problems of um, women accessing midwifery care across the globe. Um, so that's always something I was very keen to talk about and yeah. and discuss. So I guess I was talking about that. Amy must have piped up and was like, oh, my God, I feel the same way. Yeah. And absolutely. I guess then we started a conversation. And as the, the story I had told myself for a very long time, because I wanted to do this when I was a student nurse Mm -hmm. like you know travel overseas I want to work in Africa that was my goal Mm. so I told myself one day one day one day and one day was in my head when I was probably 50 or plus my children were all adults um and I could um 
I was free to travel and free okay. to go to somewhere like Africa that I always thought, well, this is like a six six week to three to 12 week stint, stint. Um, expensive, a long way from home, possibly fraught with some danger. Um, and I can't be a mum while I'm doing that. So, yeah, yeah. And I was a mum not long into my student nursing. Hmm. Um, so, and then, yeah, Amy and I were talking and then we were just like, why do you have to wait till you're 50? Why can't you have a dream? Why can't you achieve that? Why can't you find somewhere maybe closer yeah. than Africa? Why, yeah. can't, why do you have to go for three months? Why can't, maybe we can go for... Two weeks. Yes, and we just—I um, think we just started. We started when talking, we were, yeah, and chose somewhere because your youngest was still quite young. Yeah, so my youngest was four when I, we went on our first trip, so that was a big hurdle, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, and, so we chose somewhere reasonably close. Yeah, just logistically organizing. We just started. Yeah, it was yes. a discussion yep. about. Hang on a minute. Why put that? On yourself that this is something that cannot be done till you're over 50 yeah it's something yeah. that you you, you want to do um, desperately needing to do midway into my career um, yeah it was like a definitely something that was yeah. a driving force to be like we have to do it we have to it do like, it oh a, little, gosh, a little fire a little kindred spirit lit. yep yeah and then yes i found you let's go like and ironically uh not ironically i suppose but amy and i yeah we just had that same like you know a lot of people that you meet talk about oh one day one day one day mm. or They're not fair dinkum not fair yes. dinkum let's yeah. make plans yeah sure I'll call you like but we were just like the Actually, second we talked about let's it, do it let's do it and we absolutely did it and yeah and, and that we, was that we arranged it we found somewhere close to home two weeks um I figured my family would would cope without me and they did they did <laughs> <laughs> It was hard. Yeah. And I jammed my finger in the door and was really stressed. Yes, it was a very stressful <laughs> car trip. Nearly cancelled the, the night before. Yep. Oh, really? At the thought of yep. leaving my kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really, really tough 24 hours prior. Yeah. And then once you got on the plane, all good. You were fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Had that. All good. And um, we came home best friends, really, didn't we? We did. From that trip. Yeah. <laughs> got to know each other. We did, yeah. It was yeah. like a little life, massive life changing experience Experience for both of us soul searching um gut-wrenching yeah not just challenging um eye-opening yes (laughs) everything yeah you don't realize probably how insulated you are in your own little world until you step outside it into another country and culture environment and you push yourself and we talked and we still do talk about that what we went through what we overcome what we had to carry what we had to process um, I feel I couldn't have done that by myself. I know people go mm. and do this by themselves all the time and I take my hat off to them. But um, I feel like it was um, so amazing to have a kindred spirit with you yeah. the whole time because, God, that would have been... I, I feel it impossible to do on my own, to, yeah. to be that confronted, that challenged. Yes. The, um, and not be able to, not be able to talk about it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, and we had each other 24-7, yeah. 7 14 days 14 straight days. <laughs> and yeah it was so necessary yeah it's yeah. bonding I, that's what i like about my army experiences you do hard things with other people yeah yeah and, yeah, and you're just forever then interlinked and yeah. i think yeah. that's important i guess for yeah. others Coping. who yeah want to do something like you know what you guys something similar yeah. to also find that find your person that you can do it with or find your people that yep. you could do it with because also not once did we ever get 
sick of each other or needed a break <laughs> no. or it was just like oh my gosh no. I don't just... even think we had we argue no disagree like no. nothing I guess again yeah same philosophy yeah. same reasons to go mm. over there wanting the same thing yeah and what was your your motivations were very similar then eh, to go my moti- yeah I guess there were the three main motivators were always much like Carla have always wanted to be a part of some sort of global health um practice knew it existed wanted to be a part of it wanted to help um just wanted to see it as well Mm. um in terms of midwifery i guess it's very different working in a western um, health system so i wanted to see what other areas were like in terms of providing midwifery care or to be a midwife in a different type of health setting where not not everything is available Correct, yeah. and not so much, you know, policies and um, red tape, red tape, bureaucracy, mm-hmm. yeah, rules, yeah. regulations, and it's so much so in in midwifery and maternity care that you're taught it as a student at university. You're taught about you're taught about the theory and what you know, physiology, birth, mm. pregnancy, mm. women, postnatal care, empowerment, respect, positive parenting. Like you're taught everything about how to care for a, a woman from preconception to postnatal mm-hmm. um, and it's um, amazing and empowering and you know um, autonomous and yeah. um, the women are well women and the babies are well babies and everything is mm. um, and not, not everything not, is normal mm. but everything is normal and you're trained to detect abnormal and then act yeah. um, but in, in, in reality in the healthcare system in the hospital setting it's not like that and you are you have to navigate this thing called the system which if you're listening and you're a midwife, you will 100% know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you're trained how to deal with the discrepancy between what you're taught in theory and what your taught practice is supposed to be like and what your role as a midwife is supposed to be like compared to what it actually will be like in the... Yeah. In heaps the, of policy, heaps of intervention. Yeah. And that was a big factor is... Heaps of interfering taught. with normal yeah. process. Interfering, and in Australia, yeah. and I'm much probably... In the guise of doing... <laughs> Uh, preventing, uh, you know, <laughs> harm. But, yes. Um, yeah, sometimes causing harm. <laughs> yeah, and I guess in Australia, which is fantastic, if there's something wrong, then there is health. There is health. help. There's health care. We can fix it. We can make things better to yeah. a degree. But I guess another big factor was to go over there was to actually see what happens when you can't intervene. What happens to women who have to birth with no pain relief and, and no or, time frame yeah labor mm. for five days with no intervention what yeah. happens to a, a prem baby born at 25 weeks do they survive do we intervene do we not mm. um yeah, yeah what are the breastfeeding rates do they give formulas yeah. and like, when, yeah when there is no formula and there is yeah, no choice you, to how, how are you going to feed your baby which is yeah. what we ask all women and support all women's choice the, there's no such question in a third world country yeah is how mm. are you going to feed your baby yeah. so just little little things like that that's um and you know how, how are you going to cope with your labor that's not a thing no, it's just passed down from generation to generation yeah. that women will get pregnant women will will birth and um 
and labor comes before the birth and that's really the end yeah, of it that's it's it. yeah. um and you're breastfeeding and, and you 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 don't there's no there's no way out there's no options there's no choices there's no discussions there's no education no. <laughs> it's just something that's intrinsic, intrinsically um handed down handed down mm-hmm. and it's and that is not hap- that doesn't happen in a typical western culture yeah um yeah so yeah it, there, there's so much that you can learn from being overseas yeah, and it just relates to what we what we were taught and trained as a, as a midwife, mm. and yeah, you don't get to see it in this country very no. much. So, how did you then? So, you like ideologically aligned. How did you then organise it? You just who did you know? I, how did you? Well, get on I Google? recall. Yes, <laughs> I literally, so. I recall we just sort of thought of some countries close by. I think Vanuatu came up, um, and I think we literally just googled like volunteering in Vanuatu as a midwife and we found a phone a we found a name and a phone number and a, uh, an English speaking um, midwifery educator that was working over there yes actually yep. answered the phone yeah and that was <laughs> um, old school that was foot <laughs> in the door for yeah. us to be able to get over there we um, described what we wanted and what we were after and they yeah they sort of helped facilitate that didn't they Pretty and then much. we just awesome she helped us organize um, accommodation, accommodation close, close by to the hospital because obviously yeah. we don't have a car and we're, we're shift workers so you've yeah. got to think about nighttime mm-hmm. track transport walking yep, yep. Um, we just booked the flights and so 2014 you land in port villa yes we did yes yeah. that was our so first trip port first villa. trip and and then you went back subsequent times to one of the islands santo yes Lugansville. Uh, yeah Yes, yes, the nor, nor, uh, Spirito yep. Santa, the a north, an island north of the main island, which is Vate and, and Villa. Yeah. And we chose to go there after we were in mm. Villa because um, Villa was, was fantastic. We had a, an amazing experience, um, but it was full of volunteers when we, when we got there. Mm. And a lot of people... Um, and Australian student midwives lots, and Australian yeah. medical students yeah. and New Zealand. New Zealand, A lot yeah. of New Zealand um, students. Yeah. Student midwives and, that was and, part and, of and clinical place doctors as well. Lots so of, doctors yeah. wanting to learn about birth and see birth. So, um, yeah, for us, we just thought we we want to help women. We're not here to to learn. We're not here to um yeah. to watch. We're not here to yes. practice skills. We're here to actually help women birth. And Villa was at that time it was saturated with um, um, volunteers, people, more people learning. So they had a lot, they had a lot of people learning. there. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we went to a, an island that was more remote, way smaller hospital, yep. way less staff. And that experience was exactly what we thought. They yes. desperately needed help and we've been going back there ever since. Yeah. And now we have a, a relationship with the, the midwives, midwives, the midwives there. Yeah. And because it's a small island and there's not a lot of midwifery training, not a lot of mm. access, the midwives, they don't change, they don't quit their job. They don't go elsewhere and work. Yeah, they don't yes, move. There's no, there's there's no one else yes. coming in. Or very limited people coming in. So yeah, ten years later, that's still the same. The same, same staff. I don't know. Five, six, seven. There's not many midwives on the island. A couple yeah. of students. So we know them all, and they know us. Cool. Yeah. So what were your first thoughts when you walked into Santo or even Port Villa? Had a look at that health facility. Well, I think Port Villa was probably obviously the most shocking, shocking. because yes. one, it was our first time 
in such a place. Mm-hmm. Um, my one of my first times overseas as well. I really hadn't. I led a pretty sheltered life. You travelled a lot. No, I've been over. I think I travelled once overseas, mm-hmm. and that was it. So it was my kind I've of been overseas quite a few times, but obviously not. I had never set foot in another country's hospital. Yeah, um, and not so much <laughs> like this type of hospital. So I think the first thing that shocked us, I, I do remember, is the smell. Um, but even prior the hospital, I remember getting off the plane and getting in the back of a ute or maybe we were in a car, maybe we were inside a car and driving through the main street and I was like pretty scared and um, mm. overwhelmed because it was a developing country and I'd never seen one. Yeah. The conditions of poverty in general. The conditions of the vehicles, the, the people, yeah. um, the living conditions, the roads, the... The buildings, the infrastructure. I, I literally, yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, and, and I was then f- a bit frightened. Overseas, was, they go to a resort. They don't. Yeah, and Vanuatu is a holiday destination yeah, for yeah. much of Australia. And now I've been and over the there a lot. I can see that holiday part that's done up yeah. and beautiful and tropical and polar um, opposites. But to but literally the other side of Vanuatu. Across. You know, yeah, where, where people live, where people um, go to go to work, um, very, very, very different. And their healthcare. So yeah, that was pretty shocking to me, and I remember. Yeah, you were yeah you were quite shocked at the like specifically landing and just seeing the landscape. Yeah. I wasn't so much. Again, maybe because yeah, a little bit of travel. Perhaps, yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, no, that's not doesn't really shock mm. me. But the hospital, the hospital. was like, oh my word, that is. Very, is this a hospital? Yeah, <laughs> it was the smell. Um, you know, and that's not to, yeah, um, like say anything about the hospital, but it, yeah, the smell, um, just the condition, the condition of the, of the of infrastructure, it. just very, very primitive or basic or I don't know what. Words well, remember to there use. was no soap. I remember, you know, there no. was no soap to wash out. There's hands. no hot water. There's no hot water. There's no sheets or linen. For the beds, there's no such things as blueies or trauma sheets or pads. Mm-hmm. I don't even recall women, you know, they don't, they're not provided with pads and things or like nothing, that like no. we are here in Australia. So basically just, what, having a baby on the floor on a... Yeah, or on a... Oh, no, it's, no, no, not, it's not a floor, actually. No. They have a, they have a, it's, they call it a bed, but it's not, it's a metal contraption. It's barbaric, wasn't it? So, yes. It was like a... The, the, yes, it <laughs> yes. was like yeah. that. It's, yeah. it's a called a Shit. birthing bed, and it's because it's so it can come apart and have stirrups, and Ugh. it's literally a it's not a bed, a, a metal frame with a um, vinyl cover on yeah. it. Um, and the women are expected to get onto their bed, get onto their backs, and push. And actually, we were shocked. Yes, we were shocked at that such a primitive country had such unprimitive, barbaric birthing practices like birthing yeah. on a bed on your back. They've gone away from birthing naturally, primitively on, on the ground, but yes, yet squatting. Up the worst parts of Western, of Western medicine, medicine, where it commands women to do something in a certain way yes. that goes in against nature. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that's all part of when yeah. birth came into a facility and birth stopped being in the community and stopped being at home, and women were um, were not in control of their bodies and were not autonomous yeah, in what they choice. did. So there when they walk into the hospital, they're told what to do. They're told where to go. They're told who who they can and can't have in the labour room, which actually 
is, is no one. Oh. They have no. to birth alone. Wow. And if it is someone, it would be the their female. Well, it wasn't like really sometimes anyone. Their mum, sometimes their mum or their yeah, sister or cousin kicked, was. I feel like them. they kicked them out, but over time we've Got allowed them. them all in to come but in. But typically, the practices are. Um, the, and the births were shared by multiple women. Yeah, there's too. no curtains. No privacy. No, 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 no. 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 And it's a job. It's It'd be a... absolutely freaking terrifying <laughs> to go in there and have a baby. Like, yeah, unless and... you knew what was coming. And worse is that yeah. um, the women labour with their family. They do. The women yeah. all come in with a, a husband or a partner um, and mothers, sisters, aunties, yeah. whoever. The men aren't often around, but they can be. But the women are certainly surrounding this birthing mother. They And they're only allowed into the birth room to push. Yeah, mm. So they all labour. And then they the are separated. Or, yeah. And they're outside. They're told the, to undress and they're told to lie down. And for the key pull, time. Pull mm-hmm. their legs back and put their chin on their chest and get the baby out. Gosh. Without making much noise. And not allowed not to really allowed make a to, racket. Mm. No screaming, no crying. And no, no, no carrying on anything that yes, don't deviates on. from getting the job done and done quickly. Yeah. So, so you had um, largely Chinese doctors working there? What was um, there? Yes, there was a lot of Chinese. There not not a lot of obstetric doctors at all, really. Any actual like medical professionals from Vanuatu working yes, there? sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes, but not consistently. Yeah. Um, and not uh, I don't know. But local midwives. Yes, local yeah, midwives. Definitely local midwives. This is Port Villa, so Port Villa also again had a lot of the midwives, but a lot of students and medical students helping them. Yeah. Um and. Yeah, it was a little bit more shocking, I feel, mm. compared to Santo. I felt like we didn't really, um, you know, we, we first had that attitude of going in, like we said, and being like, okay, we're going to, like, help. and We're coming and into we're someone coming else's in, country. Yes. We're very respectful. We provide culturally respectful care. We were very mm. much like we're not going to. We're, we're here for them, not yeah, yeah. for us. We're not changing anything. We're not no. being radicals. We're not, we're not doing, you know. But when we got there and saw birth, like the way that they were doing it, we were, it, it, I can't even describe the challenge that was to want to be like, to want to do what they do because that's what we're here for, mm. to, to do what they do, to not, to not question it, um, question their practice, to not yeah. think that we know best, to not challenge them, and, and not we, be the arrogant white girl. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And yeah. we we have to. We're there for two weeks. We wanted to assimilate and be part of their their team to help them, not to yeah. not to make them think get these girls out of here. Who are they? What are they doing? Um, but, but it was but difficult. We to be were part completely of that. and utterly unable to treat women the way yes. they treated the women. Yeah, and we were. We just couldn't and we no, didn't. We didn't. And we didn't. And we weren't there was a bit of pushback. We weren't we could sense we had a lot of pushback. To the point actually yeah, that we weren't liked because of that. We had to yeah. and, and very quickly though, I guess they realised that the, the babies were born safely and we got the paperwork done. Um, they didn't come into the labor ward at all when we were on. Mm, so no. it was just us doing the, the birth. We didn't have to work with the um Ni Vanuatu midwives. So we didn't have to watch what they did mm. or to be part of it by standing by yeah. and watching. And and we would bes- we would look after the women. And, um, and they're only doing what they've been taught. Absolutely. And what they can do because there's yes, not many of them. Yes. There's, not, there's one midwife to three birthing women sometimes. Yeah, which is just insane. Impossible. To, 
Yeah. But so, in, in saying that, we also, like, you know, we learnt also a lot off them. You know, we learnt some suturing techniques for perineal oh, they're suturing. they're highly skilled they're very practitioners. Skilled. Mm. Highly skilled. You know, they, they have to do it all. So, yeah. And it's not, it's, I'm not saying that they're, the midwives were barbaric or cruel. It's um, the practices Yes, it's um, that they know they are functioning in a state of um, like actually unbelievable the amount of work that they have to do. Um, We complain about short staffing, Mm -hmm. and I'm one of them. We have very short and low staffing in in this country, Um, but nothing, nothing, nothing like what these midwives have, and they cannot remotely do anything more other than not drop a baby on the floor, pass it to the mother. They have to get that mother out of the birthing room very quickly because somebody's coming in, the next person's coming in, and and there is no room, there's no time for any mucking. I can see why they practice the way they practice, Mm. but when we go over, we we have time, we're unpaid. Mm. So you can sit we with can, them. We can sit with them. We can provide them as much care as we want. Uh, We're not impacting on anybody else, and we did provide um, compassionate care Dignity. Dignity was definitely um, huge. We allowed their partners and mothers and sisters to stay with them if that's what they wanted, and they all did, interestingly. Yeah. They all did. No one wants to be alone to birth. No. Not even when it's and the, Yeah, the dignity culture. was huge, wasn't it? I remember dignity. they were never covered with a sheet, and then we would cover them with a sheet, and then if you know a local mm. midwife had come in, they'd pull the sheet back and... We'd pull it back over, pull yeah. the sheet back, yeah. pull it back and over. And we'd let, we'd let them um, in labour, standing up. Yeah. We'd mm. encourage them to squat. We'd, we even, we've done many births in Vanuatu on the floor, much to mm. the midwives' horror. Absolutely. But over time, when a trusting relationship has developed, they and think it's quite the comical. Benefit. They think it's funny. They, they, they think it's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> and they think we're crazy. Yeah. They used they to think say we're that. utterly crazy. Oh, crazy. We were attempted to just like get the pelvis out and be like, this is the coccyx, this we is did. the hip bones. And when you lay on your back, they're all in the way. Yes, yes we did. Coming. But yeah. the, yes, very, but, very true. But the thing is in that country, it, birth does work like that. Yeah. And, and so to t- try and say it's not the best way to birth is irrelevant because every woman's birthing on their back with their legs pulled back and the, um, they're flat on their back. They're not semi-sitting like we have them in our country. Mm, yes. They're flat on their back. And their legs are pulled back that much that there is no pressure on the coccyx. And um, they and actually, birth, it does work. And they all labour upright. And because they birth well. There is yeah. no intrapartum care no. in Vanuatu. Yeah. No fetal hearts. No. no. The women oh, no, no, they do do fetal hearts. Every now and then. But yeah. the women are predominantly not in a birthing room during labour. They are pacing the corridors and or they're outside in the hospital grounds Mm. and you might go and find that woman do a quick fetal heart do a blood pressure document and then the women and their families know to come back in and present to the labor ward when when they they feel the urge to push (laughs) so um you know they labor labor they labor well they're active they're upright they're But there's no pain relief options for them there's no hot water so there's no hot showers during labor there's no heat packs there's no nitrous oxide no bath after giving birth no they have a cold shower and uh, we introduced perineal warm compress yes and that was well again they thought it was quite comical but they was well received Um, and we could get hot water from the from the big pot on the stove stove. Um, (laughs) and we'd fill up cups and they just think it was funny when yeah someone would be getting the hot water they knew there was someone else having a baby wow and Um, it got to a point whenever any laboring woman would walk in they'd say go get the the crazy two 
they can have the they'll the do wave. it yep they'll do it and they we'll always it. be there ready yeah yep, come on <laughs> how did you find the um language barrier and communicating with these women and the staff and Port Villa was fine with staff because mm. it was quite English speaking, yeah, quite English speaking, and the women the largely women reasonable in yeah, English could, could understand. Um, Santo was different. Santo though. was very different. The midwives um, speak in Bishlama to themselves and to the women. Um, the women speak Bishlama, Bishlama. or French. Yes, um, some, minimal, some minimal English, but some uh, enough English to get by. Um, but the midwives strangely write in English. Mm. So that's great for us because mm-hmm. the documentation is in English yeah. um, and they can communicate, the midwives can therefore communicate in English um, to a large degree. Mm. But we learnt, we learnt Bishlama. Well, we actually went to a couple of little we went to some lessons, lessons um, <laughs> to speak pin, pigeon English. English yeah. yeah, and by a couple of years going over regularly. Mm, um, yeah. I can't, wouldn't say I speak fluent Bishlama whatsoever or could understand it, but if people are speaking slowly and I speak slowly, we can do a pretty good basic yeah. assessment of why mm. they're presenting, what the problem is, you know, when their water's broke, yeah. you know, yes. what their parity is, enough information to provide safe, safe care, care. Yes. and to talk to them in labour about what's happening, what like. to reassure them, to get consent to do needles or mm. suturing. Yes. Um, and ask them how the you know yeah so that that's we've we've done that reason reasonably we haven't been for a few years so I feel pretty out of touch now yes I would definitely and and in Santo because a lot of the women also came from other small islands they had no No they didn't even speak Bishlama wow they spoke another dialect yes from their little island so that was always difficult and it's amazing though how much you can communicate Mm. through body sign language Mm -hmm. body language Mm. um I don't yeah it's no, yeah, you don't quite, need yeah, and, and yeah. also actually how little language you need, you need. in midwifery, yeah. and that just goes to show you how much, how little we do. It's the women birthing the baby, not the midwives delivering the mm. baby. The, the women are doing it, and we're just facilitating. Yeah, yeah, we're p- just picking up the if there's net. problems. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was rewarding in itself. Thinking, wow, like we just we just cared for a woman. Um, in labour and having her baby and essentially not a word Don't share spoken. the same language. Yeah, yeah. just but the language being with of, her um, and of body birth. language. Yeah. yeah, it was just enough. It's, to... it's like a universal thing that it's birth the same no matter what you look yeah. like, yeah. where you've come from, yeah. what, what you country. speak. Um, birth is essentially birth. So that's cool. amazing, isn't it? Definitely. Good to see. Yeah. And did you see, kind of, I know you talked before, Amy, about the impact of kind of Western medical equipment and things in goodwill that have been delivered mm. in those environments that then people don't know how to use it or, Definitely. you know, they're obviously very resource poor in terms of just basic consumables, hand washing, yes. <laughs> sponges, yes. Sort of like Bluies, recycling pads. stuff that yep. would be single use here. Yeah, I do. I remember, again, it's out of all goodwill of organisations and, and Western countries cultures but i do vividly remember when we're at santo the little island hospital going into their special care nursery and you know over in the corner was a beautiful brand new humidity crib but it was covered in dust and covered with boxes and Mm. again we had that like oh my gosh they do have a, a an amazing working humidity crib why aren't they using that so we get it out clean it 
you know, get it all prepared, but soon realize that, oh, hang on, they don't have this attachment or they don't have that attachment or yeah. there's, they can't maintain it. And actually they no can't. one's taught them how to, to mm-hmm. use this to its full capability. Um, so that was, yeah. again, a realization of, okay, we just, you know, need to use. Go what, back to basics. Yeah, use what they have and yeah. to the best of their and our ability to use that piece of equipment they might have a ctg machine but it's not working or they didn't have they might have ctgs but they don't have paper yes um they have ctgs but they don't have a doctor that wants ctgs so no one really knows how to use it or interpret it or or a doctor might think he knows how like might go put a ctg on but it's meaningless and it's just like for 10 minutes so that a 10 10 minute ctg the the admission ctg every woman had to have a 20 minute ctg but no one reviewed it and even if it it was it it didn't matter what how it looked like because it doesn't matter exactly anyway what's the point yeah yes you're just monitoring for no reason yeah that's exactly right and 10 minutes of maternal pulse with a baby that wasn't alive yes that was also signed off yeah or we had yeah quite a few of those and i think as well what was quite shocking was it showed how um wasteful we are in these in our country i mean there was ampules of drugs everywhere antibiotics you know syntocin and everything that had you'd come across the ampule tops would be broken off a little bit of cotton ball stuck in it that's because they just reuse you know that drug just take out what you take out what you need use it it for the next patient that's right there was um oxygen tubing you know nasal prongs that were you know molded well they reused everything because they, they reused they, it if they oh, didn't have right. a um if they didn't have a, an ongoing supply mm. everything i guess that their, their mentality is to wash and reuse everything because they don't know if they're going to ever have an ongoing supply of anything yeah so i think that's just what the mentality of the of the well everything was washed is. i mean there were um kiwi cups sitting on the on the kitchen sink because yeah, they would be reused and the things to break the waters are just reused there was nothing remember <laughs> yeah. um for every birth um like our beds in australia there's a yellow clinical waste bag under your birthing bed but in vanuatu there was a metal bowl and we would have to clean that you had Wash to clean everything. everything yeah everything yeah. and i do remember being actually quite confronted by in the first trip over there um the very little birth sheet or linen that each woman was allowed to have and often they bought their own sheet in um would get completely soiled Mm -hmm. soiled to i can't even explain uh, baby poo mum poo Hmm. blood clots hemorrhage lycor meconium lots of meconium stain lycor lots of vernix all on all over the sheet um, and there was often only one sheet, so you didn't keep changing the sheet like no. we do here, yeah. where people get a clean sheet every time there's a Spot dot of, of something. Yep. Um, and we had to clean that. We had to put um, go cold water and big rubber, big rubber like gloves, gloves. that you'd find in a um, bunning store, <laughs> and a brush, scrubbing brush, and scrub scrub that stuff off it. Rinse it, rinse it, rinse it, rinse it before it was allowed to go into their laundry. There's no commercial linen and service. No commercial and linen in service. Australia, no. you would never yeah. do such. You wouldn't touch it. You just it, wouldn't. It would go in the. You'd bin. wear gum yeah. boots that every other midwife had worn that day for the birth. Mm. Um, I think by the end we actually just wore we just thongs wore because it was thongs. one. Hot. It was too hot. No and, air conditioning. And or... it was. It just felt more actually 
become hygienic well, to wear our thongs yeah. and to put your feet into someone else's gumboots that had stuff in them that anyway. had stuff in them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the waste the waste that we do here was insane like, really. insane yeah and and, and not so much um, noticeable until we got back from our first trip and every time you go over and then you come back and you you see what we do um for women here and it's not i mean we should always be providing compassionate care dignified care all that sort of stuff it's not that it's the actual waste of um yeah like linen and um, products just just open throw open throw open throw wash 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 like unbelievable amount of money and dollars in those resources Mm. um with we're really pretty precious aren't we extremely (laughs) that was also another lesson learned really wasn't it how So just, how did um, oh sorry you no yeah it's yeah. just how like, how yeah. did you did you see like high rates of sepsis and that as a result of those practices was there maternal sepsis was there um, we have seen, seen it, it. Yeah. yeah over there we have seen it and I know we've been over there once before and they very like within days had lost a young mum to what mm. they think was sepsis, sepsis mm. yeah. um, it does happen um, but certainly not everyone was getting an infection absolutely because they then used not. a kiwi cup and washed it no yeah. and that's what no. was quite <laughs> unbelievable you yeah. would just think oh my gosh how yeah why are there not more sick infants but it, babies and no mothers. but now, saying that about the, the washed kiwi cups funny because very very little rates of vacuums mm. yeah like little. you know in yeah. a hospital with i don't know 2000 births 1500 2000 births a year um oh it would it would be like the one or two percent mm. yeah wow. if, but in comparison if, to here that's because women are allowed to well not allowed women labor established labor yeah. for five days yeah there is no intervention and there's um, no epidurals. There's no epidurals. There's no pain relief. There's no doctor coming around doing their rounds. Mm. And there's no, there's no, the there's very progress. little failure to progress. And there's very little delay. We're not putting them on a, there's no a time and giving them a time no, to do no, their thing. No, no. And in fact, we had a, not. we had a lady having her fifth baby um, in the birth suite pushing fully dilated because they're not allowed in there unless they're fully dilated and you do have to check them it's wow. a requirement yes, entry requirement um, yeah, it is all. and the mother um went on, went on for a long long time walking around up down round yep. around up down round around got on the bed went to sleep yeah yeah and literally slept for a couple of hours um and we were busy with other women mm. next to her and she woke up oh that's right. We were too busy for her. We had that much activity next in the other three, two or three beds. That when all that was done, so everyone had birth. The babies had all gone. She wakes up and had a baby. Right. I know. And we were just like, "Thank you, <laughs> thank you." And she, like an intrinsic knowing that she needed a rest. Just going, we don't have time to do yeah. another one now. Let those other women birth. So it's not safe then. for me to birth just yet. Yeah. And I want to catch my baby. Yeah. Wow. So I'll just wait here for a rest. And just lots of strange things like that. Oh, laboring for days, bandles, rings, like just. So basically, yeah. Babies coming out mechlycol for days, you know, shrommed for six, seven days. 44 weeks gestation. 44 and six, I think we had one in our little diary. That's incredible. Like, yeah. yeah. 41 weeks and you're tapping down an induction, you know, yeah, like that's that, right. that's your options here now um, in Australia. So yep, 44 yep. and 
X. 44 and 6. I'm and how did that go, that one? Oh, she had a baby. She had a baby. She did. She, yeah, she was yeah. fine. <laughs> Same as all the women who had trommed for yes. four or five Prolonged days. Strong um, And not antibiotics. No, they not having IV antibiotics for a few hours. No. And their babies. Babies so. come out okay. Those... All of them were mech. Yeah. So many. Yeah, I like the yeah, majority of the majority I would say of the women birthing have thick mech. In fact it's all when it's clear it's like, oh, oh wow. Do you think clear that's because of the gestation perhaps? Like Maybe. a lot of them Absolutely. were no, no idea. Or just even even, you know, normal verticomas, gestations were Mech. Mech. And um, a, a, there was a lot of small babies, like yes. quite likely um, growth-restricted babies with mech stain, you know, the whole picture of not doing very well. Yeah. But I guess um, they're in, in Indigenous, their survival of the fittest, born to, born to survive, yeah. do survive. Get, out, get on the boob, um, strong, feed them up, strong, and they're fine. Um, race they are. Um, very strong. So and the yeah. babies, women and the babies. Yeah. Lots of preemies that are born very preemie, yeah. but then come out requiring and, and they minimal. Breast, and they breastfeed. Yeah, they breastfeed support. when they don't even, uh, shouldn't even have a suck reflex. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they do, they, they breastfeed and they just do out quite astonishing And our, yeah, things. I do recall in terms of the postnatal care, well, there is no postnatal care. The women go on to a ward. They sleep with their babies. There's no And their mothers and sisters and grandmothers all on a mat. Mm-hmm. But remember, postnatal care was non-existent. No. You'd think, oh, is five need breast. a hand with breastfeeding? Absolutely not. not there were no so. breastfeeding issues. There's no nipple shields. There's no... There's, no, there's not really any flat nipples either, interestingly. So they just stayed, had a little rest, and went back to their part of the island or yeah. surrounding islands yeah. and... Yeah. Yeah. Well, they went home the same day if they birthed early in the morning. Yep. And if they birthed in the middle of the night or early evening, they would stay Stay overnight and then go the next day. Wow. And that was virtually everyone, except if they were a caesarean. Yes. Um, And if their babies were were very premature into the little nursery. How um, how premie did you see over there? Uh, Well, they're, they're, um, over there, like um, generally under 28 weeks is considered non-viable. So like very premier over there, kind of non-viable is not what we see here. So we definitely saw lots of babies born, um, either miscarriages or that um, late term, yeah, babies 20, 20 to 28 weeks, but they weren't going to survive. They, no. They don't yeah. survive. But um, I feel we did see a lot of to 28 to 32 weekers yep. that did survive. Yeah, a lot of 28 to 32 that did survive. There. Um, so there's a fair bit of acceptance around that and yes yeah from the mums from the and mums. The, like obviously grief and absolutely yeah, yes a very different view couldn't of, really um, stop that um labor if it was coming early so yep. and and, no. and just a belief that everyone's doing the best they yep. can um and yeah. also i guess they you know their spiritual beliefs as well um you know mm. well this was not you know, they, that they would have know. played a big part. Yeah, this was not meant know. to be. If the baby's born yeah. too early, they know the baby's born too early. It's not gonna. It's not, it's not gonna make it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they did have that awareness. Mm. But even you know, it was quite amazing. The premies that were born, you know, thirty-two weeks, thirty-three weeks off CPAP, minimal support required in their little humidity crib. Yeah, Amazing. Then no bubble seat, no intubation, didn't have ventilation. Bubble <laughs> no, one one trip over <laughs> there, we did have um, we did have a pediatrician. We had ventilation equipment. We did have some stuff, and we actually yeah. used it. We did, um, but we uh, 
yeah, other than that one trip, there's not been anyone any any well, there has been equipment, but no one no one knows how to use it. No, and um, then not the consumables that go with no, that, that go with it. Like, no, so, it. Yes. so so no, not really seen much of that done. Yeah. But we have we we've certainly seen some twenty eight weekers that haven't lived, but we've mm. seen some that have. Wow, in unbelievable Which is yeah. conditions, in a incredible. lot of skin to skin, and um, drip fed. And just and teaspoons of EBM constantly. Yeah. yeah. And that's how that, and the mothers do it. The midwives aren't doing it. There's um, no formula. Usually there's no formula. Occasionally there is. Lots of kangaroo care. Babies mm. in there on their mum with the sarong, you know, wrapped around them. Keep them warm. Keep them warm. Mums just sit in the nursery, yeah, the whole day. Wow. Yep. And do you want to uh, talk about the lady you saw who had shoulder dystocia and how that unfolded over there mm. probably i would say one of the worst ones i've certainly ever heard, heard about, about or you girls have seen in your definitely careers. yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah well being a midwife well both of us probably nearly 20 years we've seen a lot of complications a lot of neonatal recess a lot of mm. shoulder dystocia mm. a lot of stuff and, um but yeah we had a case over there that and this for midwives or doctors listening probably literally will sound like i'm not being honest yes. that I've embellished the truth and that <laughs> all that I've got no idea and this is just not factual but this is actually the truth this, this um, happened yeah this, this happened. was a 15 it was a 15 minute shoulder dystocia mm-hmm. of a, um, a woman that had all the risk factors like yeah grandma tip big baby um pendulous tummy. big pendulous abdominum um, she was GDM, the, I think. well she we didn't know but very likely probably GDM. yes not yes. screened yes. that's right yeah and, and just for those listening, it, um, we're talking about the head being born and the shoulders not following and the um, shoulder being caught on the pubic bone yeah. and, um, yeah, medical emergency. So, Absolutely. Yep, yeah, definitely. Very scary. You've usually yeah. only got a couple of minutes to try and either change that pelvic diameter or change the lie of the baby mm-hmm. um, to birth a live infant. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's often... It's fatal. It's fatal. So. And, and yeah, generally we're kind of taught that there's this seven-minute grace. Yeah, of maximum. Of, uh, <laughs> maximum, otherwise you've got a dead baby. Um, and so, you, yeah, oh. you're thinking... So you're thinking you've got a few minutes up your sleeve and usually that's all it takes to get mm-hmm. a baby out and to activate a, a response team that can... That there's, someone's got some skills to help. Um, very rarely in Australia do, do they go to seven minutes and, no. and rea- yeah. I, I would say rarely a, a bad, a very bad outcome like a fetal death with a shoulder dystocia. It does mm. happen, but it's not. I've never seen it in this country. I've, I've heard of it. We've done a cesarean. <laughs> you know, yeah, or we have. You have yeah, help. we've done gross scans in pregnancy, or yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been diagnosed people, people with diabetes with advanced yeah. skills. Yeah. And there's... she, this woman, definitely yeah. had also undiagnosed polyhydramnios because I vividly recall during the emergency we had our thongs on for the birth and just slipping and sliding in this (laughs) like we're on the tiles trying to get this baby out but it was just a yeah it was a you know a grand multi shrommed Mm-hmm. In labour, very protracted labour, second stage labour as well. Yeah. Warning signs, warning Lots signs of warning immediately. Signs. Yeah, and yeah. then and there is no help to call. There's not. There's no emergency button. There's no mm. calling the consultant. There's no warning signs. Let's get someone involved. 
um, it's you just deal with what you've got and you don't escalate a problem until unless or until there was a problem and even then the escalation procedures are pretty weak and they often fail you say the phone yeah so on that shift I vividly recall it was just Carla and I and another um, you know the local midwife who was in charge and we actually went and got her because of the warning signs we were Mm. thinking this is not looking good and we want a local here because we don't know how to escalate really yeah. in this country yeah. we don't yeah. have the phone number we don't have the language mm-hmm. so we we actually so had a, a were... local midwife come in yeah she was in the birth room i remember you predominantly you were being the primary acusha trying the to birth yeah. and then it was oh this is so you're doing mcrobbits you're yeah. trying to trying to move the shoulders yeah we had the shoulder off the bone and then you're doing internal maneuvers yes. hands in there and yeah. you're trying to rotate trying to baby, get the posterior arm position then we changed the mother's position Keep we moving. swapped practitioners swapped so the knee van midwife um, Amy, me, Amy, me, the actual midwives were pa- actually panicked and didn't want a bar of it. And um, they could see that they it called, was bad. They could see yeah. it was bad. They called, they did call a doctor. But then the and, battery went flat or something and, in the phone. The, it was a, the, one of the Chinese doctors who didn't really speak English, didn't really speak Bishlama, and actually was looking at the woman like she'd never seen a shoulder distortion. Mm. She also didn't want a bar of it. So uh, this, and I remember they vivid that they put their hands up, moved back to the back of the room, and said, "I, I don't, I don't, no, I don't they didn't know, know. I don't know, I don't and know." And just the awful realization of being in an obstetric emergency, and Amy and I are the only people that are feel like tr- trying anything. Yes, yes. Just keep trying. We're trying. So turning the woman, seconds, turning the woman, trying, yeah, trying different positions. And they legs helped up, us to down. talk to the woman because she didn't have English, so yeah. to tell her to get on her knees. And to get up and to squat, they helped us mm-hmm. communicate to her. So we did everything. We, we tried to move the baby, we tried to move the mother, we tried to move the baby, we tried to move the mother. Um, it yeah, got to the point the that, and we swapped and swapped and swapped and swapped. Um, and yes, we were slipping, but we also had very good... Um, we weren't slipping and that wasn't the cause of it. We couldn't get the baby <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, after about 15 minutes, it dawned on us that the baby has died. Yeah. Um, there is no possible way. Well, I think way. it had dawned on us prior to 15 minutes. Well, at some point. You know, we were yeah, like, well, we've just got to get the baby out now. Saying, we know this what's is happened not here. Good. We need to try and stop the mother bleeding out. We well, need to still get the, the baby out. But the funny, yeah, that realisation that, okay, it's not about the baby anymore. Um, but the mother still got a baby half out of her, and how would and she we have to help this mother. We can't stop. Head. We can't <laughs> Just... give up. We can't walk away. And that's how we actually felt because we, to my knowledge and my ability, I felt like I'd done everything, and so Absolutely. had you. Absolutely. And um, and nobody else in the room felt like they could do anything. No. But then there was just this thing of, well, you can't leave the mother with a baby hanging, hanging out, out of her. her. So we have to keep going. So we did, and. The, I think the baby's lack of tone at that point, mm. a broken humerus. Yeah. Um, As you're trying to get the shoulder out. And the yeah. baby just was quite in a, a very limp state. Um, very we did get the baby out. Eventually. So 15 minutes. 15 minutes. minutes. You yeah. got the baby out. 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and we did have a paediatrician, uh, amazingly, yeah. on that on that trip great and we had equipment with you he was in the we had equipment he's a friend of yours who just wanted to come yeah. on that yeah. particular trip and experience and he was too. waiting for our shift to finish obviously he's having no idea what was going on Typical in the birth doctor. room and we yeah <laughs> but but came out. in straight away yeah and because we because of our like the midwives and the the, the the team and the mother were just like babies the baby's gone yeah, yeah. there was no more i don't know just it's that's done but but us being westerners you don't give up on anything and you 
um, resuscitate, yeah, resuscitate, resuscitate the baby. Um, and all, all, you know, all teams in, all actions go. We just went straight into that mode. Like, yeah. So the we just took the baby straight to the resuscitate, and off we went with uh, intubation, CPR, CPR Umbiline, um, adrenaline. Like we just did everything that we know how to do. Yeah. And there was three of us doing mm. it, so we all had a role. Mm-hmm. Um, we all, you know, airway, yeah, chest compressions, drugs, um, and I don't know how the baby. Um, came back to life but at 15 minutes of age the baby had a spontaneous heartbeat unbelievable and did give um, adrenaline there was adrenaline there was a huge amount of adrenaline given yeah it was an overdose yeah it was an accident (laughs) an accident on a baby that 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 wasn't alive yeah Um, yeah but yeah we we gave the same dose we'd give um, a baby in australia but Mm. we didn't realize that the ampules were uh 10 times the strength okay (laughs) And yeah, but it worked. But it worked. It worked. And and, he, and you know, even the ARC don't have really good guidelines on what dose is effective in the neonate. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't yes. really know what dose of adrenaline in an arrest is appropriate. In an arrest, actually. Yeah. So when you have no cardiac activity and you've given adrenaline, mm-hmm. and yes. you're doing it, you, the, yeah. you think the baby has already died, so you've you've absolutely got nothing to lose. Yeah. You're certainly not worried about overdose no, when you've got a baby that actually the isn't the baby alive, better yeah. than freezing and doing nothing. You kept trying. Yeah, I kept trying. Yeah. yeah. So and and I, that baby actually had an amazing neonatal um, recovery. Recovery. Um, he got severe jaundice. He had his arm strapped because he had a broken humerus. He had an X-ray. Yes. Um, but he didn't need post-intubation care. Um, other Just started breathing. Pretty much. Yeah. Once he came good, he came good. And yeah. I think the, the miracle of all that, I think there was absolutely a miracle involved in that mm. in any sense, just, mm. a, just a miracle in general. But also I guess it, it's a, it was a well baby before the acute event of shoulder dystocia. Yeah. Mm. So a, good, a well-grown, big, fat, healthy baby with good probably placental blood flow. Probably feeding diagnosed diabetes. And that probably had coping. So he just had a, a wow. massive insult. Um, 4.4 kilos he was. Yeah. 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 He went into the nursery. He had his arms strapped. Yeah. He had he, some phototherapy. Jaundice, but he breastfed. He didn't yeah. need um, yeah, post-resuscitation care. He didn't have any HIE. He didn't. He had antibiotics. Um, the Umbiline came out the next day. He didn't have sugar problems. No. He didn't have... He was an alert at the end, like normal... Just a normal baby. <laughs> they behave normally. Incredible. Yeah, alert, breastfeeding, good interaction, breastfeeding. Because straight away you're thinking, I'm, I'm assuming you're thinking, like, uh, it's coming back to the Should we have resuscitated yes. baby? It's, Is it going to have yes. severe brain damage? Yes. Should we have just yes. cuddled yes. And, and let yes. it go? Correct. Yes. And we have had that but situation then, in Vanuatu as another as well. baby, and wow. that was an outcome like that. And yeah. we wish we hadn't done what we yeah. did. But that and that's one, that thought where you but are that thinking, guy, do I do harm? Is this doing harm? Yeah, are we doing is, good or are, are we, we doing, doing harm? harm? Yeah. Very confronting. And we, we, but then he's like discharged. Well, no, we had left. And yeah. But like we had left kid. Vanuatu yes. we did prior to his <laughs> discharge. Yeah. But when we left, he was on the postnatal ward, you know, with the mum breastfeeding, yes, looking well. around. And we yeah. often say, I wonder how he is. Like, is he, you know. And the faces, the face on the mother and the midwives, when we mm. said, when we, when they found out the baby was alive, they were speechless. Well, they were they, crying. They were ab- utterly, utterly, utterly were. shocked and speechless that the baby mm. they um, had 
what like was dead to them and they would not have done anything no. more with we had brought back to life wow so yeah. it was that was pretty amazing yeah we'll never forget that we'll one never forget that no definitely not so how many um so you've done a few trips um over the years now mm-hmm. some together some where you've brought other yeah, people well, Amy along had, Amy had children Amy and had kids yes, and, and I puts the brakes on real quick doesn't it a little bit yeah absolutely and then you've um and you come back to practice in Australia I guess did your experiences harden you did they they change the way you think and and work here or? I think um I think they for me personally, it didn't harden me. It actually, again, made me realise how, well, it made me understand how incredibly strong um, the the women are in mm. Vanuatu and I'm sure in many other countries. And not saying that the women of Australia aren't strong, but it made you realise that we are incredibly privileged um, and entitled and lucky yeah. In the healthcare system in that way. we have, in a way, <laughs> in a way, really lucky. We, we, mm. we have a lot here to offer, and women and babies are kept safe. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of options, and a lot of choice, and yeah. a lot of care, and professionals, and input, and specialists, and amazing healthcare and services in this country. Absolutely, because um, sometimes when we have when we haven't been to Vanuatu for a little while, we say. We need to go back to get that. It's, it's got grounding again. It's as grounding to be yeah. like, oh, we just we're getting a little bit. Um, we get caught up, caught, caught up, up in, in yeah. politics and red tape mm-hmm. and risk mitigation yeah. and practicing from such a fear-based perspective of always mm. covering yourself in case, in case, in case, in case. Yeah. And mm. this is creating a culture for women where informed consent is questionable. Yep. Um, there's a lot, a lot for of, them to There's a lot of coercion yes. because yep. of fear. Like nobody wants to do wrong. Nobody wants to do harm. Nobody wants a bad outcome. So the flip side of that is just the we are telling women so every bad thing that could possibly happen to get to make sure they're consenting mm. um, and it's creating so much fear so mm-hmm. much yeah utter utter fear and disempowerment disempowerment yeah and um and women. and bad outcomes mentally and emotionally mm. maybe not physically but the emotional mental scars that women and families are enduring are epic and Birth very trauma. well documented at the moment in australia mm, yes. and lots of people are doing lots about it which is amazing but you don't see that in vanuatu i i don't think you see psychological emotional trauma from birth just tough mamas doing what their body yeah. can do yeah they do just... what they do they accept what they what, what happens and they they move on yeah, yeah. Um, so you're heading back again, hopefully next year. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. This time next year, we'd like to go back. Yeah, it's been yeah. a bit of a break with COVID. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It stopped us for a good well, two to three years. Mm. And um, so if people want to get in contact with you, we'll just pop some details um, in the synopsis of this episode. And yeah, that'd be great. If they want to, um, you've done fundraising in the past for the clinic at Santo yes. and <laughs> um, brought stuff over that they needed rather than bringing stuff that, like yes, a humidity crit that they can't that use. they're not going to You use. got a list from yeah. them and you worked out what they wanted and needed and you raised money, yeah. which yes. is awesome. Yeah. Um, so you'll probably do something like that again. And um, we'll we'll pop those details 
um, down so people can get in contact with you and if they want to donate, they can. Yeah, yeah. that'd be um, great. And I guess just to finish, what what advice would you give other midwives or um, clinicians in general that want to go and just step outside that comfort zone, go and work in um, a developing country, go and uh, volunteer their time? What? <laughs> mm, gosh. Um, you girls I... had a really great mindset. Yeah, uh, which you maintained, but yeah. I think yeah, my advice is to just do it. You know, great things don't come from comfort zones. Comfort zones. So I think step outside your comfort yeah. zone, take the risk, find your buddy, um, mm. and nothing more than greatness will come from it in all aspects of your life, not just for your professional career and a lot of midwives are, are burnt out um, yep. unmotivated disempowered yes. disrespected undervalued just we carry our own trauma as as mid-birthing trauma <laughs> from yeah. from being with women um, yeah. and in the healthcare system so to any of those midwives that are just done knee done um just this is a lifeline for midwifery it's a absolutely. lifeline for your heart your soul your passion it um, absolutely reignites because you, your passion you are yeah. a midwife and you are valued and appreciated and you're challenged and you are you're with women you're doing yeah. raw basic midwifery you're using all and every of your skills absolutely. and then some yeah um, and to come back after that to realize what you've done, what you've given, what you've learned, how you've grown, you're just rejuvenated and you're reinvigorated and your passion's reignited. And then you come to work bringing a much better version of yourself. Definitely. Get um, to the, all of that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would also just say talking about it's not enough. You have to talk have about to it and, and do, it. do it. Book Book something. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. No. <laughs> and yeah, and you can do it with young. You can do yeah. it with kids and Get a family, and you can navigate it. And we. And my last trip, actually, I did do it with my family. I went over just with Carla and a couple of other colleagues, and then mm. I only had a two-year-old then. Yeah. And then I brought my two-year-old and husband over yeah. for the other half of the trip. So it, it it can be doable. It's a beautiful well, for Vanuatu. It's a beautiful country. It's very kid-friendly and. Mm-hmm. If you're worried about your family, bring them over with you. Yeah, <laughs> you just do, to home yeah, not too do, expensive. What you, do what you can do. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks very much and thanks for listening. Thanks, Em. Thanks.